I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hello, everyone. Um, This week, we... I'm very excited to bring you the conversation that we are bringing you. Uh, We sat down and spoke with a lovely individual uh, named Tanya, who lives all the way up in uh, Yellowknife. Um... And we had a wonderful conversation about living with psoriasis and being um, a, a half Inuk, half white woman and the challenges that, that she has faced uh, in the healthcare system up north. Um, but before we get into that, I just want to preface that uh, Tanya, uh, <laughs> the, the Wi-Fi in Yellowknife is... Um, there's, you know, there's, it, they're, they're pretty far up north. So there's, there was some issues with the Wi-Fi, and we unfortunately weren't, uh, were unable to record the way that we typically would. Um, however, we got the recording done. We, there was, we had to do two rounds of trying to get the recording finished. We finally figured it out. But when we did, uh, the way we recorded the episode, uh, it, it's kind of, you'll notice that the audio isn't quite up to snuff. Um, for what we're typically used to. However, we felt this conversation was so important that um, we didn't give a shit what the sound sounded like. And, uh, and of course, we put our trust and our faith into our wonderful sound designer, uh, Donovan Morgan. So um, if you're wondering why the audio isn't quite as quality as, as it normally is, that is the reason why. But trust me, this is a conversation worth tuning into and we hope you enjoy it as much as we did on with the show welcome to sick boy a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick this week's guest is tanya she has psoriasis let's talk about it all right we are here Hanging out with her friend Tanya uh, from all the way up, very, very up north. Very, very. So what? The internet doesn't always work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess we should say. So this is we are, we are not recording this the way that we typically would. Um, we're just recording this into one singular track, and so. Uh, it it might not sound like what we typically our episodes sound like, but uh, we got it figured out. We're sitting with give, Tanya. Give, give more detail. Give more technical nah, detail. I don't need to because I gave you guys all the details for about fifteen minutes before I hit record. Um, How many hertz are we recording in yeah, right now? All right, enough of that. Uh, Tanya, you are in. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're in Yellowknife. Yeah, Yellowknife, Northwest Territories. That is very north. That's more north than I've ever been. Um, yeah. Uh, is it uh, my my ex girlfriend actually just moved up there and she says it's quite beautiful. Oh, um, I'm sure I'll bump into her and not even know it. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, you know what? You probably already have. Uh, tell her I said hi if you do. Okay. Um, uh, what's are you are you like born and raised uh, uh, Yellowknife or? Uh, no, so I was born in Churchill, Manitoba, raised in Rankin Inlet, Nunavut to Yellowknife where I've been for the last 20 or so years. Okay. 20 years, Yellowknife. <clears throat> Do you love it there? I, I'm, I'm so fascinated with that area. Mm. I love it. You know, we, I just came back from like a, a 12 day road trip down to Manitoba. And as we were driving into Yellowknife, it was like black, black night sky. And I just, the Aurora, I've lived up here my whole life. I never, ever get tired of how beautiful this place is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, I, guess I went it's like to the same with us on the ocean. You know, you just never. Is it? Yeah, totally. Yeah, you're, yeah you're but always like, oh man, this is incredible. I get, yeah. I get that the ocean is special on the east coast, but um, I I had the the pleasure of traveling to Norway in 2015, and I oh, yeah. saw the aurora borealis there, and yeah. 
It was one of the most magical things that I've ever seen in my entire life. And yeah. it, it, no, it was, it was the most magical thing that I've ever seen hands down. And I, I had that feeling that like I could see this every night for the rest of my life and never get tired of it. Yeah, totally. That's how I feel up here for I, sure. I say that about pizza <clears throat> where I could, I say, you know what? I could eat pizza every day for the rest of my life and never get tired of it. And I believe that to be as true as what you just said, Brian. And I think you're probably right. The Aurora Borealis would be just as good as pizza every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> hey, speaking of, uh, speaking of that, here's a segue that makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, Tanya, <laughs> we are going to be talking to you about Something we've never talked about on the show, um, uh, a, a skin. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a stab in the dark here. A, a skin disease <clears throat> called psoriasis. Is it a skin disease or is it like a disorder? Do we do we know? Um, it's a skin disease. Yeah. Right, there we go. Skin disease. Yeah, from my understanding, it's like an auto uh, autoimmune disease. Right. That manifests through the skin. Right. Is it now? I yeah. is this something that? So I don't know a whole lot about psoriasis. But is this something yeah. that like that are you are people typically born with it or is it something that that is triggered by some sort of particular particular experience? Um, and because I do know I do know one thing is that like psoriasis isn't like a curable disease. It's like it's something mm. that like once you have it, it kind of lasts forever. At least that's that's what I think. I really don't know it darn thing about anything <laughs> but but i'm talking yeah. i'm totally talking out of tell, my butt. tell this poor man if he's right or wrong <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's actually both um oh, right. it's okay. genetic so um it's it really flares up depending on the food that i'm eating so when mm. i am careful about what i eat i can control it um but yeah i've had it since i was young and i uh, my dad had it pretty bad and i have a oh. pretty mild case um, of psoriasis and I've had it since I was a little girl. When, when you say you have to be careful, uh, about what you eat, does it, it sounds kind of like it's, it's just like an allergic reaction. Is it, is it similar to that? Um, it might be, I, I don't have any allergies, but when I eat, um, wheat, dairy, eggs, meat, um, it flares up a lot of if I'm not eating healthy and clean, then it comes. Um, and what what does that uh, what does that look like? What what is it? Right. Uh, how does it present from? And and I guess I guess in your in your when you like when you say that you have a mild case and your dad had a severe case or yeah. has a severe case, uh, it what is there? Is it is it that he gets it more often or that when it does happen, it's 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 more intense or? Mm. What does that look like for you and what does that look like for someone like your dad with a severe case? So it kind of looks like gross, nasty lizard skin. That's what I think it looks like. It's like these patches of like these red islands all over your body that have a very thick and white um, layer on top. So I have it on my scalp Um and I actually intentionally kept a very short and bald haircut for the last five years of my life to just try to mm. control this. Um, but like it could be all over people's arms and face and legs. And my dad had it um, on his heels and he could, like, this is weird, but he could like poke his heel with a knife and he wouldn't feel anything. Oh. Like it was, it was just so thick and bad that it was it's it desensitizes a lot of um, oh. your skin sensitivities. So it's not fun. Oh. I'm I guess I'm lucky, but my sisters they don't have it. So I guess I'm I got that genetic makeup when I was born. But well, that's what makes you unique. It's, it's your, it's your, <laughs> my psoriasis, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. Makes me unique. yeah, totally. I, I I have I have. Um, so you were saying it's in your it's on your sc- scalp, like that's where that's where it it. it it gets triggered the most. Yeah. Yeah. I have, uh, I've, I've had a history of, um, like really, really up, like hardcore up and down history of, of acne, uh, really uh-huh. severe acne. And, and my scalp is actually like one of the really problem areas. And yeah. it gets, it gets so unbelievably painful when, yeah. when it gets bad on my scalp and it's, and uh, you know, it's like, it gets itchy and like it leads to dandruff and all this stuff. The, you were talking about how your father has like this desensitized 
area on his body be, where the where the you know where the infection is bad. Um, do you is is your scalp kind of like numb to everything now? Like when it's when it when it flares up, or or is it that kind? Of, like I feel like it would just be so itchy, you know, and like and um, irritating. It's yeah, very itchy, very sensitive and delicate. Um, and I find that. Uh, the place that I have it is actually, I don't know what the medical term is for this joint and bone part, but it's where your skull meets your spine. Oh, yeah. So like it's your, rich, your, occipital, it's your occipital ridge, I believe, is the term. It's in that very delicate space in between. Yeah. So um, not only is there a effect on the skin, but there's, I feel, on the deep muscle. Right. After years of scratching and like I scratch in the middle of the night, I intentionally like during the day, I'm like, oh, no, you know, I can control myself and I'm not going to touch it. But in when I sleep, I I wake up with blood on my pillow. Oh, no. So it's not. Oh, whoa. No, it's not fun. So I it's uh, so you straight up do it while you're I, like while you're conked out. You're just like you just scratch. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. <clears throat> that reminds mm-hmm. I've, I've got this. Cr- so my sister, when she was when she was a uh, like. I don't know. Natasha must have been like four. She had this. Uh, she had this really weird nocturnal sleeping habit where we shared a bunk bed, and she, I had the top bunk, and she had the bottom bunk. And my sister, when she was like three or four, she would roll over onto her hands and knees, and and be right up against the wall, like so, like the 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 head of the bed, which there was no like head of the bed. It was just up against a wall, and she would rock back and forth like a rhino, just. Smashing, what? smashing her head off the wall. Totally asleep. The exorcism of Emily Rose. It, that it, happens. Like, yeah, it was very. She what? might be possessed. <laughs> so you know how you she know, just needs some love and care. That's what she needs. She, Maybe that'll yeah, go away. And an exorcism. <clears throat> well, you know, you know how it, you know how it stopped. This is this is actually horrible, but but uh, but also but also kind of funny. <laughs> uh, it, it, the way it stopped was my dad and my dad was like, "Jeremy, come with me." And we went into the room one day, and my dad was like, uh, "He was like, just just Jared, just play play along with this, all right." And he told he told her he goes Natasha, do you see what's happening here? And he's pointing at the wall, and there's literally like an indentation in the wall. She was starting to like put uh, like a hole in the drywall, and he goes, "If that goes any further in, and this opens up, bees are going to get in the house and sting you in the head." And and oh no, <laughs> and it stopped. She never oh, did wow. it. She never oh, did yeah. it again. So it was totally subconscious. He just needed to to drag <laughs> to drag it out with fear. Yeah, he needed yeah. to. Yeah, he now needed. She has a, a terrifying did your father, fear. Of I bees. guess. Did your father ever try to scare the psoriasis out of you? I guess is really <laughs> what we're. No, what we're he, he did the opposite. Actually, um, I find that it it flares up during times of stress right, and right. Uh, being overworked and undernourished and underactive. So mm. if anything, he was like the opposite where he's like, okay, how can you take care of yourself today? Mm. That sounds, that sounds that like sounds it's got helpful. a lot of like, that sounds yeah, a lot more like helpful got- than my di- than, than a father <laughs> saying, you know what? If you keep scratching the back of your head, bees are going to fly into the house. Well, you know, his best on that one and succeeded apparently. Yeah, did, um, yeah. I mean, that sounds like it's, that sounds like, uh, you know, a bit, I guess a bit of a silver lining in the way that, that, that is in a lot of cases is not, uh, is not really like a focal point, especially, I guess, especially like stress, like managing, how, yeah. managing stress as someone growing up. I mean, I, I don't remember, I don't remember ever being told to manage my stress as a, as a, as a kid or, you know, in thinking that there's, you know, a, obviously there are constant, like when you're, when you're growing up, if you don't, you know, if you don't eat right, if you don't, you know, manage mental health, if you don't do all these things there are obvious de- like downstream repercussions of that, but nothing yeah. quite as like, I guess, immediate as there would be with you with psoriasis, something that like shows up f- fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so I guess that's, you know, this kind of like silver lining to, do you found, do you find that, that, that sort of like stress management and really being careful that you put stuff in your body that's going to, you know, be kind to your body is like a, you have a, a bit of a leg up in that in, in that department. Uh, 
I guess in a way, because my body does speak to me a lot faster than I'm willing to listen, just because everyday life is so fast and busy, um, where if I don't keep up with a certain lifestyle, it's going to come back (laughs) and I don't want that. So I definitely like, I'm in a lot more intentional with my diet exercise and, um, things that I keep around. So like a lot of, uh, very sober, hypoallergenic, um, homemade meals, um, staying away from, you know, kind of the genetically modified pesticide, poisonous, partly kind of cancerous foods you can buy on the shelves. Is that, is that hard to find in Yellowknife? Um, yes and no. Like there's kind of the basics, um, at all the grocery stores, they do have like a natural food section and organic section, but it's not as elaborate as other grocery stores down South. So we have to order in things that we, we can't find. Right. Mm -hmm. I imagine that, that, that managing, um, like your diet and stress levels, I imagine that that wasn't something that you've always naturally done that it's, it's kind of like the result of learning from having flare ups and experiences like that. Have you, have you had really bad experiences with your psoriasis flaring up? Yeah. So my dad and both like my mom were very supportive when it came to me taking care of myself, but I actually grew up in the foster care system in the Northwest territories for, from age four until 19. And so even though I I wasn't with my family, my parents were very good at opening a dialogue Mm. that, you know, I'm an alcoholic because I don't know how to deal with my emotions and I'm addicted to gambling because my father was abusive. And so even though I grew in a very dysfunctional um, way of living, I, both of my parents to having the discussions that they never had with their own parents. Mm. So stress management um, and diet were were very big things because um, my mom is Inuk from Nunavut and her father was a nomadic Inuk. So he was like born on the land. He'd never seen his first, like he'd never seen a white person until he was about six or seven years old. Mm. And so that connection to a traditional lifestyle and diet was still very close on my mother's side of the family. Um, and so diet was a very big thing. Um, like growing up in Nunavut and like in the Arctic, like you're the primary food group is meat. Mm-hmm. Mm. And like growing up, I didn't like meat. I hated it. <laughs> and that's, that's not a good thing when you're like a half white, half Inuit person in the Arctic because the elders don't like that. Right. When you, when you reject the traditional diet, it's like an insult to your culture. Um, so when I was born, I, I didn't like meat and I was apparently very fussy with certain formulas and foods. So diet um, has always been a big thing in my life. The rest of my family, they could eat whatever the heck they want and get away with it. But if I have a piece of like whole wheat toast, I'm going to be itching for a week. Right. Oh. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Hey, did, on, the, on, the, <clears throat> on the stress on the stress management side of things, like and, and you know, keeping your – you mentioned – stress management and, you know, trying to, uh, not get overwhelmed. Mm. Do you have, uh, are there, do you, do you have go-to practices, um, that whether they're like common practices like meditation or, or, or things that are like, you've just found work for you, like techniques that you found work for you. Just, I'm really interested in that mostly because, because it's something that everybody needs and you need it more ASAP than everybody else, but everybody yeah. needs it. Everybody needs it eventually. And so I'm just interested yeah. in what those things are. Yeah, totally. So I love to meditate and I like to do yoga. Um, <laughs> I like being outside and I also, um, do something called Inuit throat singing. And I don't know, have you guys ever heard it before? I have. We were, we, we were talking about throat singing, um, um, with a woman, uh, God, when was that? That must've been less than a month ago. Yeah. Oh, I think that was Shelly. It was Shelly. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. But but, yeah. but we didn't but I haven't I haven't heard it. We were talking about it, but I've never heard it actually. Okay, I'm not going to demonstrate it, but if you want to listen to it, go on YouTube and just uh type in Inuit throat singing. The, okay. Um isn't yeah. there a, isn't there a um I I I recall like a, f- a number of years ago, maybe it was like 4 or 5 years ago, there was a I could be wrong, but I feel like it was an Inuk woman who won a uh, Juno 
was it is it the Juno Awards or um, yeah for uh, and, Polaris? Yeah, sorry, a Polaris Award. Yes, that's right. Do you, yeah. do you recall? Do you know who that was? What yeah, the, that's Tanya Tegak. Yes, yes, right. Yeah, she she's very well known <clears throat> all over up north and southern Canada mm. with her. Um, different style of throat singing so she doesn't do traditional throat singing sometimes Um, i won't speak for her but she definitely does take her own take on throat singing yeah that's that that was that was the that was the the first time i heard it and it's 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 really really cool it's really neat to listen to yeah so growing up in the foster care system my idea of music was like top 40 country or like (laughs) top Top 40 pop and whatever. Yeah, and so yeah. um, when I was 19 years old, I met this Inuk man from Cape Dorset, which is on Baffin Island in Nunavut. And we had a baby together. And his family was very much immersed in traditional Inuit culture. That was like sculpting, hunting, uh, throat singing, storytelling, and things like that. Mm. And so I learned how to throat sing from my mother-in-law. Um, but it was actually very super awkward time for me because like when you think of music you think of stuff on the radio right um and not like this guttural chant that's vibrating throughout your whole body um but i actually find that once i learned it and got the hang of it it became uh quite therapeutic i don't know like when you meditate you um there's like certain chants that you can do that bring a vibrational peace Mm. or therapy to you so throat singing is one of those things for me. That's cool. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it, like listening to it, it does sound like one of those, those activities that you could, that almost even, even listening to it almost seems like it puts you in a bit of a, like a flow state, you know, like it, it, there's a, yeah. there's a trance to it that, um, and, and, and that's like, that's from being on the outside listening. So I can't imagine what, what it feels like to like really sink into it and and to like have that resonate from your own from your own instrument from your own body it's pretty trippy <laughs> yeah no doubt I, I i really resonate with that they when you talk of the vibrations um i remember very early on in my practice of yoga i was in a class um with this this awesome teacher that was in halifax uh tracy and and tracy at the end of the practice we we chanted Om together, and it was my first uh, time chanting Om together yeah. with a group of people in a room. Yeah. And the vibration that like mm. overcame my body, and like yeah. a, the feeling of like goosebumps, just like it was like the feeling of pure energy just resonating yeah. through your body. Mm. So when um, you talk of like that, like that that like guttural vibration going through your body, I, yeah. I can just imagine how therapeutic that that could be. Yeah, try doing that on a stage in front of like hundreds of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> that sounds like it has a really powerful effect. Yeah, no <laughs> yeah I definitely need a minute to be like, okay, where am I again? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I do want to kind of take it back a little bit to something that you had mentioned earlier, um, which was about, you know, you were met, you were you were referring to the the Inuit culture of uh, specifically like diet and and the. And like the importance yeah. of meat and, yep. and how as a child, you know, you were not a meat lover. Um, and, yeah. and you were, you were also saying how, you know, you're a big part of your psoriasis is brought on through stress. And I, I'm, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it would be safe to say that that, that, that was probably like a stressful time in your life to be battling, you know, the, this dislike of something that's so important to a culture. Um, did you face any kind of like uh, any sort of like alienation from your from within your culture because you you weren't I don't know if conforming is the right word but if you like that you weren't following what was expected of you or or what like what they thought was right for you tradition. Yeah, totally. So growing up, I was like the white sheep of my family. Right. Um, because when you live in Nunavut, like the majority of people are Inuit and the minorities are white. And so um, like when the white people came up north with the church and with the government, um, it was pretty much to assimilate the Inuit into 
Canadian society. And so, yeah, there was huge backlash. And even today, like my aunt, my great aunt, she calls me white. She's like, hey, white, how's it going? You know, it's not like, hey, Tanya, how are you? It's let's just remember that you're part white, therefore less than the rest of your family. Mm. But how's it going? Wow. Um, I mean, food is like food. I mean, I, I being ha- having something that's like really t- closely tied to a culture is like taking it to another level. Like, yeah. I mean, if you, cause if you, I mean, if it doesn't even, it doesn't even need food, doesn't even need to be tied to us, to a, to a specific culture for a, for a, um, you know, if you stray from the norm in food, I mean, people take food so seriously and personally. I mean, like if somebody um, says, I mean, if you go, if you're with, if you're with everybody, a bunch of people who have, you know, who have been e- eating, eating, uh, eating meat their whole life and they're, there's a vegetarian, they're like, I'm a vegetarian. I mean, like, that's like a, it's like, you got to take a, they take a step back and it's like, yeah. Oh, what? I mean, and can we trust a, you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's right. just like a, that's just like a simple, I don't eat like, I, I, yeah. I don't eat meat for like whatever reason. And then tie that yeah. into, tie that into like really strong cultural mm. traditions. And I mean, yeah. Okay, take it to another so, level. so, um, I don't know if you know, but Nunavut as a territory is very, very, very food insecure. Mm-hmm. So 70% of all homes in that territory, um, have food scarcity. So there's wow. a lot of people that go hungry. Wow. There's a lot of people that can't afford the costs of food in those grocery stores just because it's so expensive to fly and ship all that food up there. Um, so a lot of people rely on traditional hunting. It's a big thing in our culture. Was there ever a, hey, I, I, I might be a fan of this if it didn't uh, if it didn't, uh, turn my scalp into a war zone. <laughs> you know, actually, like... yeah. Yeah. Um, and, I was actually what, gonna... what was that met with? <laughs> so I became pregnant with my son Kay's. It was like my body rejected vegetarian period for like nine months. So oh, I was really? like, I don't know. I think maybe it was like his genetics that was mixing with mine that were like, you need to get back to traditional roots. Wow. For like nine months, I was eating like all the meat that I can get. And then once he was born, I not anymore. So I think um, being pregnant with my son has reintroduced me to throat scene first and then diet second. And, and um, did, it, did it take a hiatus while you were pregnant, your, your psoriasis? Like were you all of a sudden able to eat, the, eat some of the things that you, you previously weren't without getting the flare-up? Yeah, I think so. I had a very, very beautiful and stress-free time when I was pregnant. Like I had a really, um, not many get to say that, but it was a really good experience for me. So it was uh, fairly under control. And I, I don't know, it brought me back to my roots where I was like, I can't get enough of this muskox. Like it's so good. That's so, that's so wild. I mean, I, I mean, this is a, a, another topic altogether, but I mean, just the, the, the wild changes that happen when someone's pregnant and yeah. the yeah. things that like the, the, the changes that can occur, like <laughs> something, something like that, like you never eat meat and you're all of a sudden you're craving meat and it's not flaring up psoriasis. And yeah. uh, like, I mean, it's just, well, it's, even, even the, even wild. the idea that like that, that body just starts going, all right, time to start making milk. Like time, to, <laughs> yeah. time to yeah. literally start producing food out of yeah. nowhere like that is that is bonkers. Like that is one of the most wild things to think about. You know? Yeah. It, it is crazy. Yeah. I was gonna I was gonna say it. So afterwards though, you like have you been able to eat meat a little bit more since without having flare ups or mm. or after your pregnancy it just went back to being the way that it was? Um, half and half, um, because we're talking about health, I'll just say comfortably that I eat wild meat on my period, but like the other weeks of the month, I don't want it. But the week before I just can't get enough bison. Oh, interesting. So so bison burgers. Yeah. And that's a, that's all a part of your menstrual, like, like process. Like you you get, you literally get cravings while you're, while you're menstruating. Wow. That's so fascinating. Yes. Wow. It is. It's fun being a woman. It's also kind of like a being in a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and a, yeah, hormonal roller coaster. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, there, there is, you know, I, so, you know, I, I will, I, I think it's, it's, um, pretty safe to say that like, I, there's not a lot that I know about, uh, Inuit culture and, and, yeah. and so I, I'm, I'm really, first of all, I'm really grateful to get a, to get the opportunity to be a part of a project like this, where I get to like, just sit down for an hour with someone like yourself and, and ask questions that, that I've, you know, that I've never really had the opportunity to ask. Um, but one, th- you know, we're talking about health and talking about culture. Um, and there's something that I, that I have been thinking about a little bit, which is like how, how the, how Inu people see health. Inuk. 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 Not, not in. Inu. Inu is like a totally different uh, indigenous group in Quebec. Just oh, so you know. okay. Okay. So, so yeah. see, thank you for that. This is, I'm, I'm learning. This is so good for me. So, good for you. Yeah. Uh, how do, how do Inuk people see health or, or it, or do they, do they see health um, with a different lens than, than like colonial Western views on health. And, and the reason I ask that is because it seems like, um, you know, based off what you were saying, there, there, there seems to be a bit of like a, a, a different way of looking at it. Whereas like, if I, if I heard you say, oh, I can't eat meat because it's like bad for my health, then I'd go, okay, yeah, right. That makes sense. Don't, don't do that. But if it, yeah. if it goes against culture and there's like, there's a, you know, taking a stance against that, so it, I guess what is the, the the question is like what 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 are the differences what are what are the different ways that Inuk folks view and approach health versus colonial Western views on it? I really like that you asked this question. Um, you know, when people think of like uh, Inuit First Nations or Métis health and knowledge, um, people don't ask these. So I appreciate the fact that you give a shit about it. Um, so I don't like, because I live in Yellowknife and there is this like degree of separation between me and my family. Um, I go to books to obtain traditional knowledge and the Nineveh Arctic college has published, um, some interviews that they've conducted with elders, um, on traditional health and child rearing, Mm. um, and things like that. And so, these books are like gold to me. Like when I read them, I'm like, this is it. And so last year I found this book on traditional health and health is perceived in a kind of like a circular form where everything is interconnected. So they look at individual health, community health, environmental health, um, the relationships, like relationships Mm. and mental health is like the first point in assessing someone's uh, I guess level of health. And that, so that is so friggin interesting because that's like yeah. that's like the last thing on the list when it comes to uh, you know focusing on health in in the mm-hmm. in the western world like mental health is yeah. so far behind on yeah. the way that we focus on our mental health and we're just yeah. slowly now starting to like creep up there. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just like I that's so that's so interesting. That's so fascinating. Yeah, so do you know who Jordan Tutu is? No. Yep. Yeah, the hockey player. Yeah, yeah. he's a hockey player from the same community as me, Rankin. He he wrote a memoir called uh, All the Way, and he talks about growing up, how like mental health and your mental uh, health well-being impacts your life, like it impacts your life. Mm -hmm. And so when you have a physical illness, it's actually a reflection of what's going on inside your mind or your heart. Mm -hmm. And so that's why when you're on the path to healing – you look at your individual, your community health and the relationship that you have with the environment. So it's your home, Mm. it's the land around you. Um, And I really like that because I find that when I, mm, when I'm trying to figure out ways to improve my health over, overall um, developing and sustaining healthy relationships with myself and my people um, make me feel more comfortable in my skin you know, and it helps your skin is a reflection of how comfortable you are with yourself. Yeah. I mean, you're, Uh there are, we, we've, we've had a few conversations over the past, I don't know, six, six months or so. And then, and, 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 and one particular conversation, um, probably a a year ago now uh, on the show where we kind of talked about just like how, 
how when you when when you walk in to talk to a doctor or 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 what or whatever or a nurse or you go to a, a pharmacist or whatever you there are a thousand things that are intersecting to to make you who you are why you feel the way that you feel and and we t- and we tend to take like a pretty a, fa- a fairly narrow ap- approach to yeah. trying to figure out why you feel the way that you feel yeah. and you know what you just said resonates with me but, but FYI I was a massive Jordan Tutu fan I was I Yay. He, he was like my he was like my my north star yeah. as, a, as a hockey player he was like so tough and and so speedy. And I tried to like kind of model my hockey game after him. And I saw him at the 2003 world juniors here in Halifax. Yeah. And I was a big fan. Yeah. Um, just had to put that out there, but that, um, that sentiment that you just shared there on, um, it, it just resonates a lot. Like there are, there are so many facets. There are so many reasons why you feel the way that you feel. And I've, I, you know, I've, I've, I've been lucky in the way that my mental health has by and large been, been really, been, been really great over the years. Um, I've had moments where I've had, um, anxiety and depression. Um, and I remember specifically in the moments of anxiety of it feeling very physical. Mm. Yeah. It, it, mm-hmm. Like it, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was sensation in my chest. It was like, a, it was a, it was like nausea in my stomach. Like I don't, yeah. a, a lack of appetite. Like it was all these yeah. very, and did that surprise you, Jay? Like, where, like when, when you started to feel that where you're like, Oh wow, that I didn't, I didn't expect it to be so visceral. Well, yeah, and I think at and I think at first you think it's physical. You think I'm sick, like right. I'm, I, yeah. I've got a I've got a bug or I'm whatever, a, yeah. or have a heart attack yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. it's really like you've got a you've got some anxiety, and really it's happening in your mind. It's ha- it's starting in your mind, and it's it's manifesting in all these different ways. And and why is that? Well, yeah, I, I don't know. But look around at your environment, your actions, what you're eating, like yeah. what you're hanging out with, what you're, yeah. what, if you're exercising, like all these different facets that that make you f- that that lead to or contribute to why you feel the way that you do. Yeah, totally. The the physicality of of emotions and feeling things has has never been more uh, prevalent to me as it has been um, going through therapy. Yeah. Uh, I just finished my, my third therapy session this week. And like, as I'm feeling all of these emotions and talking through them, as I'm experiencing them, I just yeah. notice the shifts in my body, like the tight, yeah. like where tightness is held, where it releases, like how, how it manifests as I go through these, like this experience of exploring all of these emotions. And it's been like a really profound experience for me because it's allowed me to tune into where I'm feeling those sensations in the body, in the body, yeah. and almost, yeah. almost being able to control them to a certain extent, but really, I guess, almost embrace them, which yeah. has been something that I've never thought of in my entire life. A couple of years ago, I had this really interesting conversation with my mom. I just, so up north, there's a lot of native people that were like, the majority are First Nations, Métis, and Inuit. Um, And so I was just talking to her how disconnected I feel from my own culture, even though I look Inuk everywhere I go, people, that is what they identify with my face. Um, And so I was like, you know, meat I don't speak the language and I don't sew and I don't do all these things and she's like well everything that you are is everything that my father predicted you would be Hmm. I was like huh Hmm. what (laughs) and so so in the Inuit culture the naming system is uh highly regarded and so when I was born she my mom named me after her father who is Eklak Nivyachyak and so the reason why that we carry people's names is because we want to con- we want to allow their soul and their spirit to continue living through another person. And so my f- grandfather who was born on the land, he um he passed away from lung cancer 2 years before I was born. Um so he couldn't speak English. He they had to take out one lung from the cancer. So he had a lot of trouble breathing. And because of that, he couldn't digest any meat. Oh, wow. And so 
when my mom was young, she says, whoever you name me after will not lick meat. They're not going to smoke or drink because he died of cancer. Um, and they're going to prefer English over Inuktitut because that's the dominant language in North America. And so once I found that knowledge, which she kept from me for quite a while, um, there was like this overall feeling of it's not me actually going against my culture, but actually fulfilling a, mm, a, a, pro- a like a, prof- a, pro- a yeah, prophecy, yeah, totally. but not a prophecy, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Prophecies, I, I mean, did that, are badass. Uh, did, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> did that, did that like, did that, bl- did that blow your mind? Like it, like when you heard yeah. that, were you like, whoa, I, yeah, you know, like, did you like feel that, like Neo that, in the matrix? A little bit. It was like that silenced hush where it's like, oh, it all makes sense. You could have told me this when I was a kid. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But they needed to let you fulfill your prophecy on your own (laughs) with no interference. Yeah. 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 And so so my son, um, I named him after my auntie Agalakti. And she was like a very like work oriented, hardworking, very organized and disciplined. Mm. And so when my son was born, like he looked like an old man, like this really, really cute old man. And as he grew from toddler to child to kind of preteen, like his whole personality, my mom's like, yep, that's your aunt. Like people say that he's a very, very easy kid, but I'm like, he just came like that because of who he was in a past life. Wow. Uh, that's so interesting. I love that. I love that. It's so, so fascinating. So he has like no problem to tell me if I'm not doing the dishes properly because apparently <laughs> my aunt was very, very clean. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, just to, just to kind of throw back to, to, you know, the whole, the whole notion about the difference in care or the difference in the way that the Inuk people view health versus, you know, Western, the Western uh, colonial folks view health. Um, yeah, I, I had mentioned earlier. I don't know if I said it on the recording. I think I did that. My ex partner just moved up to recently. Had moved yep. up to Yellowknife, yep. um, and you'll likely bump into her. But she's a nurse, and she moved up there for nursing. Yep. Um, and I know that I know. I actually know, like through her, I know several other people from this area who have moved up north uh, to. <clears throat> Uh, who work in the healthcare profession, whether it's nurses yeah. or, or physicians. Um, yeah. And, you know, like, so, I mean, I don't know if this is something that you can speak to or if it's something that you've noticed over your, over your lifetime. How old are you, Tanya? Can I ask? I am 30. So over your 30 years of, <clears throat> of life um, living in the North, have you noticed any kind of um, – like change in, in healthcare, um, with, with a lot more like healthcare providers from the South. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called phone a friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Moving up to the north. <clears throat> Tanya has totally disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's just David Blaine the interview. She's, she just got an Amazon delivery and they only come once a month there. So she had to go to the door. <laughs> Yeah, right. Uh, um, well, we can pander here for a minute. Uh, uh, vamp. Brian, your hair, your hair is... is you guys like it? So, so Taylor... Uh, is that straight hydrogen peroxide? No, dude, this is a hair dye. Uh, people can't, for the people who, uh, who can't see this, for our patrons, uh, for uh, anyone but our patrons, uh, Brian has completely uh, insynced his hair. His hair is, is one, his hair is one hundred percent Backstreet Boys. I'm kind of doing that Draco boy? Malfoy thing. Ten hours later. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, here we go. Uh, Bri, you ready? <clears throat> yep. Oh, okay, here we go. 
Um, so I did, I wanted to, to, to kind of bring it back to earlier. We were talking about how, um, how Inuk people see health differently from, from, from the Western culture. And I mentioned earlier in the recording that my, my ex-partner who moved up to Yellowknife, um, this year in January, she actually went up there because she's a nurse. Uh, so she's a healthcare provider, got a job going up, up North to, to provide care. And, and through her, I've met like a number of other, um, physicians and nurses who have done the same thing where they've gone up somewhere up North to work for like expanded periods of time. And I, you know, my question is, is in, in the, the time that you've been up in the North, I mean, your, your whole life really, um, have you noticed how, how care in the North has, has changed at all with, with like healthcare professionals from the South sort of moving up there to provide care? And, and again, like through yeah. that, that difference of, of, of the lens at which people from the South view health versus people, um, people from the North. Big time. Right. Um, you know, I'm going to get real and I'll be very honest that there is an obvious difference in the kind of care that is in the healthcare system right now, because you tell when someone has moved from Southern Canada up there to work. Um, I think there are a lot of Southern Canadians that aren't familiar with Inuit, Métis and First Nations people. There's that there's that gap in education. There's that gap in awareness and even just like knowing any First Nations, Métis or Inuit person. Like some people have never met uh, Dene, have never met an Inuk, have never met all these. Kinds. So I think these are moments when you can tell that the Canadian education system lacks the initiative and effort to educate the rest of Canada on who Native people are. Mm. Um, and all that they see are the people that are struggling on the streets, um, the ones in poverty that are on TV, mm. um, the violent ones that you see around rough neighborhoods. And so I think that people take that impression and then they project that onto every other First Nations made here Inuit person that they meet. Right. And that really, really gets in the way of the quality of healthcare that is being brought up north. It kind, it contradicts the intent and the purpose of coming up here to provide care. Mm. So I have faced uh, a lot of hurdles in the healthcare system because I'm Inuk, because people look at me first without assessing me as an individual. Um, so you know, gone to the emergency room because he had the flu for three weeks. And his temperature was not going down. And so it was just a lot of, um, yeah, he had the flu, a very serious case of the flu. This was your And so son? when I brought him, this was, you, my you cut son out, case, you, Okay, yeah. yeah, okay. You cut out there for a second, so I wasn't sure who it was, but okay. yes, got you. Yeah, yeah. So I brought my son to the emergency room, and before they even looked at him, they asked me if I had been drinking that day. Oh. Or they oh, asked really? me if, if I have a history of drug addiction. They asked me if I have a history of mental illness before even look at looking at my child, who is obviously very sick. Mm. Um, you know, if my family doctor is fully booked for months, which is normal, um, and I have to see a locum, um, I have to fight for prescriptions that are rightfully mine within my work healthcare coverage and as the coverage of a Nunavut beneficiary. Mm. Um, can you, so can you explain? My... Can you explain what a what a um, a um, a locum is? I I, <clears throat> I only know locum yeah. based off of my my ex girlfriend describing me the what that means. But uh, uh, it's can you remind me because I actually forget. Yeah, so a locum is like a, a visiting physician, someone who might have like a one month or three month term up north. Right, just like short term. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And so they don't have that immediate connection with the people up here. So if I am requesting um, some ointment or some topical treatment for my psoriasis, she tells me that I can go buy it myself. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, well, 
I have coverage both at work and as a beneficiary, and I'd like for you to fill out my prescription that my family doctor usually does every single time. Mm. No, I, you know what? I think you can go buy it yourself. All right. So what you're going to do is you're going to write down my prescription that's rightfully mine, and you're going to give it to me. That's the that's the attitude that I have to bring to a lot of my appointments because there's that gap, that cultural gap, where white Canadians don't have that immediate connection with Indigenous people. Mm. Um, and it's not, it's like a recurring thing. And I think there's a lot of doctors and nurses out there that are good at what they do. I definitely have times where it's, it's just a normal, regular visit, and they're not looking at me like I'm a piece of trash mm. that's just looking to get stuff for free. Um, and it's, it's really, really frustrating because it's just a lack of education. It's a lack of morals, and it's just it, – that's what it is. Mm. It's such a bummer to think that, like, you know, every time you go into – to – receive healthcare that you need to go in with like your, your, your fists up ready to ready to defend, you know, like that's such a, that's, mm-hmm. that's such a, yeah, that's such a letdown. It's, it's frustrating. So because of that treatment, I have actively found a naturopathic doctor who's readily available and who likes her job. Like you can tell that she's passionate about helping you with whatever issues that you have. Mm. And so it's, it's quite expensive because it's a few hundred dollars every time you go and see her, but I'm getting the care that I need for myself and for my son. Right. Mm. Right. I think you, no, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm just frustrated and worked up right now. (laughs) I think you, I think you, I think you take it out on us. It's okay. This is good good content. (laughs) Do anything. It's like other people. (laughs) I know that you hit the nail on the head with the, with the lack lack of education around, um, you know, I know that I, I know that I certainly received a, a a lack of understanding, and then and then ultimately go out into the world with a lack of understanding or familiarity with um, with indigenous culture and mm. um, and 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 a lack of experience with indigenous people, um, and, and 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 just kind of having this thought that like that in contrast to that of in the school, like in the school system, I feel like, I feel like the, the education surrounding, um, surrounding indigenous people was like, was like looking back like hundreds of years and describing what indigenous culture was like hundreds of years ago, instead of discussing what indigenous culture is now. And like, and, and especially over the past like decade, I feel like we've, we've at least begun (laughs) to be woken up to, to, the, 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 the recent, the very like recent history of, of colonialism in Canada and like the effects of that and like, and everything and Mm -hmm. just all the layers and layers that that brings. But, but in contrast to that, how heavily we, uh, we, we do like French, (laughs) you know, like, like, like French is like, you know what I mean? Like, like, (laughs) which just seems so wild to me in this, in the, in the context of this conversation, thinking about that. And, but uh, something that we do a lot, a lot on this show is like toss around ideas and like, they're usually relatively boneheaded ideas about how we think we could make the health system <laughs> a little bit better, but, yeah. um, but maybe one of them uh, is good and sticks. And I'm thinking about like people that people that come from this, I mean, especially, especially like white Canadians who have, who have likely received, you know, the same lack of education around indigenous culture that Mm -hmm. I did, um, that are going to be going up and, 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 and integrating into what is a predominantly indigenous community. Yeah. Like I want, should there be a, I mean, I think there should be, and it seems logical that there should be some type of, whether it's a, whether it's a course or some type of education that goes along with taking a position that mm. brings somebody up to Yellowknife or wherever totally. they might be going yeah. to like remote locations. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that they're, so that they have, so that those people have an opportunity to, to get rid of those biases that they're coming into, um, yeah. conversations with. And yeah. that they're also kind of going back to what I was saying about all the intersecting factors of why somebody is feeling the way that they do or what kind of care they need. 
Yeah. Those, those, those are, those are much different. Those are much different from somebody who's coming with an indigenous culture than someone's yeah. who's coming with like a European culture. Yeah. Those are, those are different and we need to know what those are. Yeah. So the governmental health organizations in the Northwest territories within the last couple of years have made a strong effort to reconcile, I guess that communication gap. And so when you had Shelly Weert on uh, last month sometime, yeah. um, so she has done an excellent job creating space and creating dialogue between white Canadians and Indigenous people. Um, and so l- earlier this year, we went and did a workshop with a lot of the nurses and doctors that I see. And so we talked about kind of ways that we can I guess, strengthen our communication skills and to just leave our biases at the door. Mm. Um, And it was really interesting because my family doctor was in there and I had to be very honest with the way, the barriers that I've had to jump over to kind of get the full healthcare treatment that is available for all Canadians. Um, And she, afterwards, she's like, you know, I've been up here for years and we like, we haven't had this opportunity. We don't have these workshops So what you're doing and what other people are doing are very helpful because there's such an influx Mm. of Southern Canadians coming up north. Um, So up north, we do that here for sure. Like I work for the city of Yellowknife and we have cultural awareness training where we'll go into a smaller community and then we'll we'll recognize the, the First Nations people that are from here, what land that we're on. And so it's really up to the organization where you work with to intentionally create that space. Mm. It's it's even it's and Taylor, your idea is is I think a great one that could be easily and quickly implemented. But it's also it it goes back to like having classes in elementary school and junior high school and high school that that teach kids in Southern Canada more about Indigenous cultures. Like we had an optional Mi'kmaq studies class in grade ten. Yeah, and oh, cool. you could choose. Like, but it was, but like, but, it, but you didn't of, have like, to take kind it. Kind of uncool. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. You didn't yeah, have to that, take that, it. And that should have been that should have been a, a like a, a a prerequisite to get yeah. into high school. You know, like that. Should, yeah, it is up here. Is, yeah, it's Canadian up, it history is up here. Yeah, isn't even. You know, it's it's a very short course that doesn't really cover much. It mostly covers the. Mm-hmm. The colonization from like a pretty white perspective, right? Yeah. 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 So, yeah. so it it would be, and also indigenous culture is so interesting that it would be not yeah. not just like a an important course to have for cultural reasons. It would just be a fascinating thing to learn about. So, mm-hmm. it, yeah. I do think that it it starts a lot of this starts even at a younger age. Like we have to we have to work on the problems as they exist now, but also it's our job now to set up um, systems and programs for younger generations so that these problems don't continue to carry on years and years after we're gone. Mm. Yeah, totally. So the education system, yeah, for sure can be a lot more proactive in educating people, but I feel like it really comes down to the family values that we've inherited from our own families. You know, did your parents foster an appreciation for different kinds of people? Did they, uh, like learning about different ethnicities and cultures that are within their own community? Mm. Um, I, I'm lucky my dad is like, he was pretty like Inuk for a white guy. And when I would go down to Nova Scotia, like people would kind of look at us weird. Like, who's this, like, who's this Brown girl with this white guy? And are you like a prostitute or something? So there's like, there's, but within my own father's family, it was just, it, people are people and you don't have to project your own biases because of the color of your skin. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. I feel like I, I feel I, I one hundred percent resonate with that. That's like, that is the, yeah, I'm with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I did have one more question about, um, because we were talking about the difference in, in healthcare, when people come from the South and healthcare providers come up North, there's a difference in, in approach, but is there, um, a different desired outcome or different expectations or different goals that um, indigenous cultures have 
for in the in or expectations <clears throat> for the healthcare that they receive. I think a lot of um, Shelley was talking to us about the um, you know. Uh, the Métis people wanting to be able to do smudging in a hospital, but there was other examples of having different expectations because it was it was not just a solve this problem from a physical um, point in health in healthcare. It was it was take care of my spirit too, make sure that spiritually I'm well. Um, is there like what other types of of exceptions or goals are there for in the healthcare that that Indigenous people would like to receive? Um, I think we would like to receive no prejudice. I think that's it's the it's the basic barrier preventing us from getting the health care that we need. Um, I think it would be beneficial for healthcare professionals to educate themselves on traditional <laughs> knowledge and principles and practices so that they understand where we're coming from. And 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 I just want to um add there i mean it that that is undoubtedly long overdue the understanding for um more understanding for um indigenous communities and culture but also i mean we live in canada you go to any city in canada and you're and the healthcare system is dealing with cultures from all around the world and they're all coming in to receive their healthcare from a different angle and perspective yeah. and, and different, different tactics, different, um, um, different things apply depending on who, who you are seeing and, and whether it's, whether it's because of their, the culture that they grew up in, um, the circumstances of their upbringing, the, the, the situation they find themselves in now, there are just all, so many, so many factors and just being, and and no one and no one's going to be perfect and know everything about every about everybody and every and every 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 culture on the planet. But to be aware and to be sensitive to those things, yeah. um, I think is 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 really important. Yeah, totally. Uh, I work at the public library here in town, and even learning from like Africa or like Middle Asia, like I don't know we misinterpret everyday interactions like cultures coming together to learn how to communicate with one another mm. well tanya i gotta say this is this really has been um and, and i kind of voiced it earlier but like this is this is one of those conversations where i i can't help but just like step step back a little bit and look look into what's happening and be, and just feel so overwhelmingly grateful to, uh, to hear from someone like yourself, to hear a perspective that, um, I don't often get to hear and, and to feel like I'm, I'm gleaning something that I feel like is like extraordinarily valuable for myself to be, to just be in the know and to be, to try to be a better human. Um, Mm. and, and I, I I really do feel like um, this conversation that you provided us with today is is going to cultivate um, quite a bit of change, and 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 I I see that change happening within the community that we've cultivated here through Sick Boy, and so I just want to say from on behalf of everyone uh, who is listening today, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to sit down with us. And I, cause I know, I know that when we first tried this, it was, a, it was an absolute hot garbage mess. And so we, you know, I'm just, I'm so glad, I'm so glad that we were able to pull it off. And, um, it really, it really does mean a lot. So Tanya, thank you so much for taking your time. And, uh, this was really sweet. You're welcome. Thanks for opening this space for, for other stories to be exposed to the Canadian public. It's important. Mm -hmm. That's it there, folks. Uh, That was Tanya all the way up in Yellowknife. And uh, again, you know, apologies for the, the, uh, the sound uh, issues there, but as you can see, very important conversation we are we are so grateful to have been able to fucking figured that out, um, and uh, yeah, just a just a really swell swell chat. Mm-hmm. Um, that is it. That is all. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. 
And uh, as always, you know, we're coming at you every Monday and Friday. So if you want your Sick Boy fix, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, if that's not enough for you, if you fuck, if you want more, if you want more of no, this, dude, get no, that no, content. No, you want more no, of that, no, that content? No, no. Oh, I'll give you content. Go I to Sick Boy at, at Sick Boy Podcast for Twitter and Instagram. And if you've got any questions, comments, or um, concerns with how Jeremy just used his voice right there, um, uh, if you'd like us to read any of this shit on the show, or if you want to apply to be on the show, head over to sickboypodcast.com slash contact, or you can email us directly at letters at sickboypodcast.com. And like I said, you are very much so um, allowed to voice your concern over how Jeremy sounds right now yeah sick boy podcast is co-produced by jeremy saunders as you just heard lauren oh, yeah, Sankey, me Ugh. tiller mcgilvery oh. and myself <laughs> our social media is also run by lauren sankey and by the way if you guys didn't know lauren sankey is like every other finger except the middle one mm. you know because the middle one is just mean and mm. lauren is not like so, summer yeah mm. like like summer Sick Boy Podcast is also Kinda like managed. breast milk, right, guys? <laughs> guys yeah, that's a, this is going to be an interesting callback joke that's now happening reverse three weeks in a row. Oh man, it's only going to get worse from here. Sick Boy Podcast is managed by Jeff Lonis, but evidently he doesn't manage this part. And sound design is done by none other than Donovan the CPAP Morgan. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.